All right, Brother Hicks, why don't you come on up? He is going to preach for us this morning. He's going to be at our, our youth conference. Met him first time today, but I've heard him many times uh, speak on uh, the internet and different things, and uh, we're really excited to have him for our youth conference and very thankful that he would come a day early to be with us in our services, and so I don't want to take a lot of his time, so let's give him a warm Pacific Baptist welcome. Amen. What a blessing. What a blessing to be here. Nehemiah chapter 8, if you would, if you would go there and just uh, keep your place. We're going to spend a little time there. Now, I was saved August the 21st of 1994. Couldn't quote you one scripture in the entire Bible when I got saved. And shortly after that, in October, the church had a revival. I didn't have a clue what a revival was. But all I know is a man of God stood in a pulpit that month and he preached a week revival. His name was Bob Lamb and it absolutely transformed my life. I literally wept when that revival was over because I did not want it to be over. Speaking of the meeting, but something happened in my heart almost 29 years ago. Revival entered into my heart and my soul and I realized that it was independently owned. I realized that anybody could obtain revival. And I made a choice right then that I'm going to stay in revival for the rest of my life. You say, how can you do that, Brother Rob? How can you ride on top? Revival is not riding on top, church. Revival is staying in an intimate relationship with your Savior, whether you're on top or whether you're on bottom. You are totally in tune. And when your pastor, Brother Meyer, stands and opens up the word of God and preaches, you know what? Hey, Jonathan Edwards said revival is a fresh awakening in your own heart and your soul. That's what happens when he preaches the word of God. Now I'm very thankful to be here. I'm so thankful that your pastor invited me. I'm thankful that the place that he's given us to stay, I'm thanking for this atmosphere and this environment that he's allowed us to be here looking so forward to the teen convention. But I've got to dive right in here. I'm long-winded and I can't be, okay? So I'm going to probably preach fast. I don't know, never planned a delivery and you might even need an interpreter. So if there's any more rednecks out there and you want to run up here and help these folks understand what I'm saying, then get on up here right now, amen. I'm going to go ahead and pray and then we'll jump into the scripture. Father, we love you and thank you so much for this opportunity. I stand amazed that, Lord, I get to stand here again in your place as a servant with the word of God. Please help me this morning. God, let me be consumed with the truth. God, give me clarity of mind, leadership of the spirit. Have me not to say anything that I shouldn't, but everything that I should. Lord, I have one goal this morning, and that is to walk away encouraging your people. Let them leave here encouraged. Let them leave here one step closer to you. God, we're going to be careful and give you all the glory and honor for anything and everything that's done. In Jesus' name, amen. And here in Nehemiah chapter 8, we have the situation where God's people have been in bondage for 70 years. They're under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah and they had returned to the promised land and they rebuilt the temple and the walls in 52 days. I mean, they were nonstop working on this and, and as soon as I get here, I, I see all the construction. Uh, Brother George takes me through the whole building and, and the man to smell of fresh sheetrock and seeing the fresh tile and, and seeing all these things come together but my mind uh, uh, solidified uh, with a message today and saying, hey, it's the same thing right here. 
It's the same thing going on in Long Beach, California right here. What are you talking about, Brother Rod? Let me tell you something. I've been in construction all of my life. I turned 54 years old today. I've been in the petrochemical welding industry for 37 years. Me and my boys have worked together since they were 10 years old. I love work. I love construction. But what does it mean? It means we get tired. There's so many responsibilities in life, especially in our Christian life, that we can't sit on a table. We just got to keep on keeping on. You people work a job. And I hear through the grapevine that you people join together and put this building together and come together for the causes of Christ and come together to make a difference in somebody else's life. And that's what it's all about. But you become tired. God's people here in Nehemiah chapter 8 I become very, very tired and they needed something. And that something was revival. I'm going to begin reading. For the sake of time, I got to read some, but I may skip around. I don't know. Let's just go in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate and spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring forth the book of the law which Moses had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation both of the men and women and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day in the seventh month. And he read there and before the streets that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand in the ears of all the people that were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose and go to verse 5 and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was above all the people and when he opened it all the people stood up Ezra blessed the Lord the great God and all the people answered amen and amen with a lifting up of their hands and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground Nehemiah 9 1 9 the 20th and the 4th day of this month the children of Israel assembled with fasting and sackcloth and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in the place and read the book of the law of the Lord their God. One fourth part of the day and another fourth part they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. I want to preach on this thought, a recipe for revival, a recipe for revival. Listen to me, if everybody around you, which I hope they don't choose not to enter into revival, it doesn't mean you can't. It means that you can. It's individually owned. You need to grab a hold to it. You need to live in revival for the rest of your life through the ups and the downs and the mountaintops and the valleys and just keep on with that intimate relationship with Christ. Number one, what is a recipe for revival? The people were as one. Keep your Bibles open and look with me in verse one. Notice in all the words and the people gathered themselves together as one man. There is strength in unity, my folks. I'm telling you today, today, you take this Bible, you take one of these thin pages like this and ask any small kid to come up here and rip it without any effort. They could just tear it right apart. But you take this wonderful, blessed book right here and the strongest man in this congregation could not come up here before and tear this book apart. Why? There's strength in numbers and there's strength there in the word of God. Let me tell you something, folks. I'll guarantee you we're gonna disagree. I guarantee you me as a down-home southern Alabama redneck get 
get to chatting with you in 15 minutes, guess what? We're disagreeing about football teams and everything else, amen. There's gonna be disagreements. But when you come together in a place like this uh, to do God's work uh, and to build God's building, set aside your differences, amen. What kind of differences? All personal differences and key in uh, on the word of God and the purpose of his work. Could somebody say amen? There's going to be differences. Bless God, at Pentecost, they was all in one accord. And that wasn't a 1979 Honda either way. That was all mentally. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. If we all got the same book, we'll all have the same look. And we can set aside our differences. And we can do something magnificent for the glory of Almighty God. These people were all as one. They built a wall in 52 days. Don't you think there wasn't disagreements? Don't you think there wasn't some hardship? Don't you think them folks didn't have some tight lines? But I'm gonna tell you something, the evidence and the proof is they set it aside and they done the work of Almighty God. They were all as one man. Number two, these people magnified the word of God. Nehemiah 8, 1, and the second part of that verse, and Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law. Verse 2, and all that could understand heard the word of God. Verse 3, and they stayed from morning until midday. Something kept them there, didn't it? Huh? Something kept them there. It was the word of God. You show me somebody that loves the word of God, I'll show you somebody that's either in revival or they're headed straight to revival, I guarantee you. Now, I love fishing, I love hunting. Man, I love working. I love all different types of activities and I can talk with you on that thing and we can have a good time, but I guarantee you, we're standing around talking. Within about 10 or 15 minutes, we're making a beeline to the word of God. We're making a beeline to God. We're gonna talk about how our life was changed. We're gonna talk about how he pulled us up out of the mighty pit and set us on a solid rock. We're gonna praise God for what he's done in our marriage that might have been used to be broken, but it's setting up high now. And there's love and honor. And we're gonna talk about our children, amen. How they're serving God. How they're in a good solid church, a Bible-believing church just like this right here. That's what we're gonna do. Why? Because people who are in revival magnify the word of God. I can tell you a lot about your Christian life, how you treat the word of God. Ask yourself this morning, how do you treat the word of God? You come home after church or throw that thing over there on a little old counter beside the refrigerator? It stays there. And all of a sudden, the mail starts coming in, the bills start coming in. You don't want to look at them either. You're just throwing them over there. Guess what? It starts covering up the word. Starts covering up the word. You don't see that word that day and you don't see the word next day. What happens? Uh, Wednesday, you got enough character or Thursday or whenever your midweek service is. Or, Where's the Bible at? Where's the, what you hadn't saw? You hadn't been fellowship when you hadn't saw it since Sunday when you set it down and you dig it out from under all that debris. You know, he, he said he's the husband and we're the bride, right? Did a lot of parallel with, with us is I'm a husband and I have a bride. We just celebrated two, 32 years Thursday. Huh? But guess how it would be, guess how it would be if I come in Sunday with her and all of a sudden I go to work. I come home. 
No fellowship, no communication. I just do my own thing. Walk right through the house, huh? And on back Tuesday. I'm gonna tell you, Tuesday's about as far as that's gonna get. Guess what? When I come back in the house on Tuesday, that table, that kitchen table is gonna look about as clean as that right there, huh? What are you talking about, Brother Rob? There's not gonna be no fellowship around the table. There's gotta be communion between you and your wife for there to be true fellowship. Huh? I'm not going to get that good old mashed potatoes and gravy and cube steak and cat head biscuits. Now, you know why? Because there's no fellowship. Hey, why do we treat the word of God any different? Huh? Why do we neglect the word of God? I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a division. It'll separate us and we're not going to have revival. Number three, the people center themselves around preaching. Buddy, I'm going to tell you something. I've heard about this church for 20 plus years. Ever since I went to Bible college, I've heard about this church. Pacific Baptist Church, Pacific Baptist Church, preaching. They love preaching, man. They got it going on out there. They're reaching people. They're knocking on doors. They're running buses. And, and man, I've always desired to come to this place. I've never been an evangelist and picked the phone up and say, hey, can, hey, y'all got any opens out there? No. If God has called me into evangelism, God will, will point out where I need to be. But I'll tell you this much, all this time I've desired an invitation to come to this great ministry right here and praise God I am here. Why? Because you people love preaching and the preaching of the word of God. I'm not talking about paying comedians to come in here and make all the kids laugh and joke and all this kind of nonsense. I'm talking about open up the word of God and take the truth of the word of God and preach the word of God. Uh, if you don't love preaching today, I'll guarantee you you're not in revival. You see, preaching what exposed old Rob Hicks to show him that he was lost on the way to a devil's hell. That's what preaching what was exposed, all the nonsense in our marriage that we need to get cleaned up so we could learn how to love each other. That's what it was preaching that was used when Rob Hicks surrendered to preach the word of God. It was preaching what was used for Rob Hicks to clean his life up and start saving the living God. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood. See, there's a little indicator in all of us if we want to be honest. Same indicators in that vehicle that you drive. And that's a sound that most of us hate to hear. And it goes, ding. And you look down. And what, 25 years ago, $5 worth of gas could have took you a long ways down the highway. But it's not taking you too far anymore. It means you're low on what you need to go, huh? Preaching is like a liver, friends. You can live without members of your body. You can live without an eye. You can live without an arm. You can live without a kidney. You can live without multiple parts of your body, but you cannot live without a liver. Walter Payton, what an unbelievable athlete. Man, number 34, Chicago Bears. When Chicago Bears stunk, man, everybody still wanted to watch Walter Payton when they handed him that football, right? Because he was going to make things happen. He was a pitcher of hell, but without a liver, he could no longer live. What's that liver do? It filters, folks. 
That's why your pastor, that's why the assistant pastor stood up a while ago and said, please don't leave the second service. Why? It's because that filter, that filter system through the preaching, not Rob Hicks, it's because of this book Rob Hicks has in front of him. It's a filter and it filters out the impurities of all life, folks. I'm going to tell you something, we've got to have preaching. you got to love preaching. I hated anything to do with church, preaching, Bible, or anything before I got saved. But when I got saved, I couldn't get enough of it. And today, I still can't get enough of it. A recipe for revival. Number four, the people showed their revival with emotions. Folks, the charismatics has done, stole all your emotions today in your true Christianity. Huh? Let me tell you something. Real Christianity had emotions way before charismatic had any type of emotions. They are emotions that come from the word of God that were led by the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost of God. Don't you let that scare you. It's in the Bible, amen. The Bible says in Nehemiah 8 and verse 5, and they stood up when the the word of God was read. Notice in verse 6, and all the people answered, amen, amen, and were lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord. God, their faces to the ground. Huh, we've lost it in America. Godly emotion. I'm not talking about none of this nonsense where somebody wants to get some uh, attention and rolling around in the floor like a roach spray will raid. I'm talking about when the Holy Ghost of God touches you and you are blessed beyond measure. And son, it'll come out somewhere. If you have a relationship, it's gonna come out somewhere. I don't know where it's gonna come out. Maybe it's gonna come out when you're just sitting stiff like this and a little old tear, it just gets up right there in the bottom of your eye. Hey, praise God, that's the type of emotion. Maybe it's an emotion where you throw your hand up and say, Praise God, man. Thank God I'm saved. I remember when I got saved, me and my wife got saved the same time. Man, we was on our way to a divorce and got saved, praise God. And God put everything back together. We're sitting in that small country church in East Central Alabama, and uh, we came back that night. Good indication somebody gets saved if they come back that night, right? We just felt led of the spirit that we needed to be there. I didn't even know who the spirit was, amen. But we came in and sat down. And the pastor stood up behind the pulpit and he said, anybody got a word for the Lord tonight? And I was like, what in the devil is he talking about? A word for the Lord. And everybody's just sitting there and about 15 seconds, this little short woman, her name was Paul Hallman, and she sat right on our row. And she got up and she started rocking like this. She wasn't rocking trying to carry on no show or nothing. She was just rocking because she's happy, I guess. And she said, hey, 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 Brother Hodgett, I want to tell you, I want to tell you right now, 51 years ago. And she'd laugh while she's talking. She said, 51 years ago, <laughs> right down here is a dirt road, and a preacher come through this area and put up a tent out there. <laughs> and she st- he stood behind an old pulpit and opened up the Bible and preached the word of God. And I was a little old young girl, and I heard the word of God. And Brother Hunter, I got saved. And she would just start shouting and praising God and the tears were falling down. And I said, oh dear God, I don't know what in the world I've done got into, but please don't let that happen to me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like slow popcorn, 
These people in that church began to stand up and to praise the living God. And me and my wife began to watch the tears roll down their cheeks as they was just simply praising the living God for their salvation. And I said, man, it's going to freeze over where the booger man lives before you see me stand up. But I'm going to tell you 100% honest, my knees began to buckle, my heart began to bust. And I stood up that night and I said, Brother Hunter, I really don't know what happened to me this morning. All I know is I trust the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'm saved. I know I feel like I'm in a place who love, the people love the Lord Jesus and I want to thank God tonight for my salvation. Let me tell you something. Don't let Satan shut you down emotionally. Don't draw up something. Don't try to get attention. Don't try to bring a, a reflection to yourself. But I'm going to tell you something. Just let him do in your life what he wants to do in your life, folks. We become dead and dry. No tears of joy or even tears of conviction. People are proud and prideful and callous and cold and content. You say, Brother Rob, you got to feel led to shout. No, I just shout because my name's written down. You ever have any pity parties? And this is a part of the message that I don't like because I got to own up to my sins. You ever had them pity parties? Now, come on now. Don't be good night. Don't look at me like that. Be honest with me. I'm going to be here a few days. We need to get a relationship going of trust here. So I was in my pickup truck. I was going to South Ohio. Want to go deer hunting. Man, I love deer hunting in Ohio. Got them big bucks, boy. Them, man, massive tines. And, woo, I love to go there. And I was riding and riding around out Luke and, and uh, I've been wide open in the ministry just week after week after week nonstop and I was coming down that bottom loop and all of a sudden I heard some whining noise come up under that Dodge. That was the first problem right there was a Dodge, amen. I, I heard that whine. I was like, oh my soul. I better pull in right here. And so I pulled in and that thing got worse and I crawled up under that truck and looked at that rear end Man, I touched that thing, and boy, it took about three layers of skin off. It was scalding hot, man. And I, I said, good night. I, I, I said, I, I, maybe I should have had Benny Hinn, and I, he'd do a better job. I was lay hand on that thing. Somebody, I preach y'all not say nothing like that. <laughs> and I admit at that time that my old shoulders drooped down because I knew I was in trouble. And then I got that old countenance change on my face from big smile going hunting to, no, I wasn't going hunting. I was going to spend some money. I said, I'm going to pull over here to Burger King and I'm going to just let it cool off and see what happens. So I went over at Burger King, got out, went in, went and ordered me a sandwich and I sat down and I was just crying in my own pity. Then I started complaining like some of us do. Lord, come on. I mean, good night. I mean, honestly, I'm wide open all the time. I just want to lift your name up everywhere I go. I want to preach the word of God, man. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to water it down. I just want to love people and see people saying, can't I get a break just to go deer hunting, God? I mean, good night. Look at me. I ain't you halfway and already broke down out here. And then the Holy Spirit come across my heart said, son, you need to look in the mirror right now. 
You ever thought about what I've done in your life? You ever thought about what I, how far I reached down in the mighty pit there and pulled you up and set you on a solid rock? You ought to, have you looked and seen how I put your marriage back together? Have you looked and seen in the poor precious boys that you have in your life that love you in an unconditional way? Have you looked and saw how many places you get to go and preach the word of God? But now you got your stuff cutting, picking mine and your eyes on yourself. And I come to the realization he's everything to me. And I'm pouting about some stupid rear end in a pickup truck because it might have a delay or it stop me from going silly deer hunting. And I changed my mind right there and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you've been everything and done everything to me. I owe you everything that I could ever give you for the rest of my life. God, I'm just gonna praise you. I'm just gonna praise your name. He said, well, oh, amen, go ahead. I said, you ain't talking about in here, are you? You see, it's easy to stand up here when we're all like-minded and we got the word of God and we all believe the King James Bible here but now we're in Burger King, right? And I looked around and I said, I'll praise him anywhere I'm at. And I stood up right there in Burger King and I said, hey, 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 everybody in here, I want to ask a question. Uh, hey, turn around, look at me. And man, you thought I done pulled an Uzi out. I said, I want to ask you, are there anybody that would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for I have been saved by grace and I'm on my way to heaven and some teenagers in the back was hiding, ducking now and man they run out, they was eight old codgers over here and one draft dodger son they was looking at me like a, a calf looking at a new gate, amen and all of a sudden one of them old men stood up and he said hey young man let me tell you something, right here on this main highway, such and such year, a traveling Avengers put up a tent and he preached the word of God and I got saved right there, son, and it changed my life. And I'm gonna tell you, after that old man, there were six more people right there in Burger King testified of the saving grace of God. Let me tell you something, don't let you let this world intimidate you. Don't you let the media intimidate you. No matter where you go, God has a remnant out that they're saved by the grace of God. Don't you let this world take your emotions. Allow revival to enter in your heart and to stir you up inside. I walked out. God done something magnificent in my life in that Burger King. Then this guy pulls by and had a, a, a BMW, Mercedes or something. The car looked like it cost $100,000 and, and he pulled up in a Jet black window that I didn't know it was going to shoot me or what it was going to do. He hit that button and rolled that window down. Pulled him glasses down. There was tears streaming down his eyes. He said, son, I don't know who you are. He said, but don't, 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 please don't lose what God has done in your heart. I said, sir, I don't plan. He said, don't stop what you're doing. Don't you let this world steal your godly emotions, folks. Do people separate themselves from wrong and wrongdoing? You know, it's wonderful when we see people get saved and come in here to this old-fashioned altar. 
And it's wonderful to see them get their life cleaned up. Many of you have that wonderful testimony. You could stand up here just one right after another and give that testimony. But what's so sad is the ones that choose not to Nehemiah 9 and verse 2. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers. The greatest thing that my wife and myself done that Sunday when we got home was to do house cleaning. There was a lot of stuff in that home that would cause division between us and Christ. I don't know who you are under the sound of my voice this morning, but if you got things as homes that's, that's building a wall between you and your Savior, I beg you as a friend, as a friend, to go home and do house cleaning. Get it out of there. Get it out of there. It's the number one thing that Satan uses. Oh, you can get it later. He don't tell you not to get rid of it. He's not going to do that. He says, just hold on. Maybe you're not ready. I know you were serious down there on the altar, but just, just hold on a little while. Maybe a week, and a week will come, maybe two weeks, and, and, then, and then you start getting dry. Huh? Three weeks and four weeks, and it's still there. Don't do that. Don't do that. The greatest thing you could ever do is separate yourself from wrong and wrongdoing. Get it out of your home. Get it out of your marriage. Get it out of your life. I got to move on. The people repented and confessed their sins. Now, in the 24th day, part of the month, this is 9, 1 through 3, of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read the book of the law of the Lord their God. One fourth part of the day, another fourth part, they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Repentance. They repented of their sins. You can't just acknowledge it. You, you, you got to do something about it. Boy, we don't like them pointed out, do we? Huh? I remember one time I was in Bible college. Been serving God for a while. Me and my wife was traveling. Had my uh, first son. He was three years old. I have Hunter Hicks. He's a special need little boy. He had autism. And we were traveling back home. We was coming down I-65 there, and there's one last uh, uh, rest stop there on I-65. And so we pulled in there, and uh, Hunter and I got out and went and went to the restroom. My wife stayed in the car. So I come back with Hunter, jumped in, took off, hit the interstate. Well, she looks over at me. She says, uh, hey, baby, did, uh, did you wash Hunter's hands? I washed Hunter's hands. Okay, we're from Alabama. And, uh, okay, we have barns and horse stalls and, and, and cows and stuff, and, and kids go out and play in the barns. And I'm thinking all this right in my mind. And, and, and we worried about me just quick stopping and did I wash his hands? And I said, yeah, baby, I wash his hands. That was the first time I told a lie since the day I'd been saved. And I sat in that seat, and I remember it right now as I'm telling this story, just like it just happened. There's a dagger that come all the way through the back seat and stuck all the way through my heart, a spiritual dagger. I'd never felt anything like that before in my life, but pride let that dagger stay right there. And it was quiet, and it was about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, so there wasn't that much conversation being carried on anyway. So we drove all the way home. 
got everything unloaded, got Hunter put to bed, and then she and I went to bed, and we got in the bed, and it was almost like the Holy Spirit had told her, but she had said nothing about it because there was no conversation. And I remember laying there, and I said, there's no way, Holy Spirit. There's no way. But wait a minute. I mean, whose life's, whose life's not going to be changed with this? Who's ever even going to know this? I mean, good night, washing a kid's hand at a rest stop. This is not going to affect anybody anywhere this side of the lake of fire. You don't have to worry about that. Just go on. That's Satan. You know, had to wor- you know who had to worry about it? Me. Huh? And so I said, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to sleep with this on me because I could think in my mind that next lie, it could get a little easier. Then the next lie could get a little And then there's no stopping it as it snowballed down and I turned. I said, baby, I'm so sorry. I told you a lie. And I'm so sorry. But I'm going to tell you right now, that boy is 27 tonight and I hadn't told any more lies. Is a little white lie Okay. I don't find white lies in the word of God. If there is some in your life, you ought to do something about them. You ought to take care of them. You ought to clean them up. That's just a lie. The Holy Spirit will let any of us know what we need to do, but I'm going to tell you something. He ripped my life apart for the next two and a half hours over that. I know that ain't popular preaching, but it's transparent preaching and it's real. And we need to be honest with each other from the get-go here if we're going to allow God to do anything in our lives. I got to hurry up and quit. The people wept. They wept. They wept because of joy. They wept because of conviction. They wept. Weeping is good. If it's the right kind of weeping, God bottles up tears in heaven, okay? Let me tell you something. If you're going to pout and whine, sir, if you're going to do that, please don't do it to me. I don't even care nothing about shaking any man's hand that's going to do that. But if you're a man and you got a load on you, sir, or you are a lady and you got a load on you, let me tell you something. You better do something about it. It gets hot out here in Southern California. It gets hot in East Texas. And you take a paint can and set it out there somewhere in the middle of a parking lot when it's 105 degrees, what happens? That, that, that paint can begins to expand and the paint begins to split on the outside of that can. And let me tell you something, that can can be devastating to somebody when they walk by if the pressure's not relieved. But what do you have to do? One simple fact. Let's go out there and push that valve on top of that can and it releases all of the pressure that's in it. You need to find that intimate place with Christ. I'll guarantee you under the sound of my voice right now, there's some men and there's some ladies. You have so much pressure on you that you can't even hardly function. You don't know what to do. You know the Holy Spirit brought you in here and thank God he did. You're in the right place, but you've got to do something about that. You've got to allow that pressure to be released. Get somewhere with you and God and alone. You don't need to be with a group. You don't need to meet with this person and that person. You get down to a place, a sacred place, and I promise you God will reach down and he'll release that pressure. He'll release that pressure. Folks, that's what revival's all about is having an intimate relationship with the Savior. Church is wonderful, but you can't do that with a church. Hey, 
Fellowship's great, but you can't do that with fellowship. I'm talking about with a living God. I got to close. The people were as one. What's this recipe of revival? The people were as one. The people magnified the word of God. The people centered themselves around preaching. The people showed revival emotionally. The people separated themselves from wrong and wrongdoing. The people confessed and repented. And the people wept. Did you get that recipe? You got it down? You recorded it? Hey, hey, y'all have this cookout stuff, you know, and uh, some of you ladies fix these fine dishes and, and all of a sudden another lady says, hey, I want to cook out. I, I want to cook out for my friends. Now, let me ask you something. If that lady said, well, I, I'll give you, all right, I'll give you eight out of 10 of the ingredients. What are you going to say? Are you out of your cotton picking mind? I want it to taste like it tastes when I tasted it. I don't want eight out of 10 ingredients. That's what you'll say, right? I want to ask you about this message. Maybe we're acting like we're in school and we said, Brother Rob, we got like uh, all of them but two. We're missing two. Oh, I got all of them but one, Brother Rob. That's pretty good. I didn't give me an A in school. Yeah, but we're not in school. We're serving God. Huh? Is one ingredient important in your Christian life? Is it really important? You answer the question after I tell this story. We love to entertain with food. Most Southerners do, amen. I love to cook and smoke and barbecue and brisket and steak and if you got any money to buy one nowadays, amen. <laughs> but I uh, had friends to come up that helped me on a job when we was uh, up in Northwest Indiana there in Bible College and uh, they helped us uh, work on our home and I said, I'll treat y'all to a steak and, and a fine supper tonight. Uh, and they was excited and I got some ribeyes and cooked them and, and me and my wife got that good old heavily uh, 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 marinade on it and put that heavily Worcestershire sauce all over it. Amen. Yes, it was just dripping all off that marbled fat and just cooked them things just right. They were just absolutely perfect and ready to serve. Just fall apart right there when you get ready. You didn't even need a knife and it was just fork tender. Yes, sir. And then all of a sudden my wife brings out the grand finale. She brings out that homemade signature cheesecake. Y'all ever had a piece of cheesecake? Raise your hand. I just like to know. I don't like preaching something. Okay, you've had cheesecake. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So she brought it out, and then she cut that first piece there, and she laid it on my plate. Make sure, you know, that I tasted it, and it was going to be good enough to serve to our guests. And so there she was, putting the other ones on the plate, and I slid my fork right down into that piece of cheesecake. And man, I slid that thing up in my mouth. I couldn't wait. And soon as my my mouth come down and that cheesecake hit those taste buds and that palate there exploded. I said, stop! What in the world is going on, baby? This cheesecake tastes like sheetrock mud. <laughs> and she said, oh my goodness, I forgot the sugar. Now I'm done. I, I'm done. But you get what I'm saying? I, I give you the ingredients of a recipe for revival out of one book. But you can get this recipe out of any books of the Bible. 
Now let's get back serious now. Where are we at? And is one ingredient important? Is it important to you young people? Is it important to you, sir? Ma'am, is it important to your marriage? Is it important to your family? Is it important to raising kids? Yes, it is. It is so important that it stands between life and death of the successfulness of your Christian life. Please, please, please. Get that recipe for revival and live in revival for the rest of your life. Whether it's the mountaintop experience or way down low in the valley. If you have this recipe and you have the intimate relationship with your Savior, you can have revival. Brother Myers, would you come?